Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. She's an American singer-songwriter, guitarist who writes and performs in a variety of musical styles, Jessica Hoop. Everything about this business has to do with relationships. Everything that happens with a song has to do with a handshake, whether it's a handshake with a listener or a handshake with someone who funds the record or whatever it is. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? One of my first mentorships was by some strange coincidence with Tom Waits, and it was a serendipitous and great grand gesture by the universe. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis. Our guest today is an American, but she lives in England. And of course, our co-host is Fred Keating. He's joining us via Skype from Vancouver, Canada. Well, I've been fortunate enough to catch up with our guest in Edmonton, Canada, at the Edmonton Folk Music Festival. Now, we are tucked in behind the beautiful, the gorgeous, famous Matart Conservatory in this lovely park and the Folk Music Festival is going on in the background. You might be able to hear some of the music come in and out. Fred, tell our listeners who our guest is today. Marvin, you lucky dog. How I wish I was hanging on the hill with you at the Edmonton Folk Festival uh, because you are in the presence of Jessica Hoop. And as you mentioned, she's an American singer-songwriter, guitarist who writes and performs in a variety of musical styles, and she's playing at the festival as she has at festivals and special venues all around the world. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Tell us how it all started for you, Jessica. Music was something that my parents gave me culturally. It was something we did as a family. It was something we did to pass the time as we got in a car, something that helped the kids behave well. It was a bonding thing, something we identified with as hoops. It's something I learned to do at a very young age. How my career got started was a detachment from what I perceived as rational because I always sang because I always wrote I started writing when I was about 16 I couldn't bring myself to make sense of doing it for a living because I couldn't in my rational mind give myself the permission to call the attention of the audience to take what I have to say to spend time and listen to me. I I couldn't rationalize that. And that was some part of my brain trying to conform to some idea of what I thought life was about. And then I realized that what I was best at, I think as far as what I recognized my particular strengths to be, I wasn't using as much. I was doing all these other things. And I had to unhinge that rational part of my mind that said it doesn't make sense to sit down in the middle of the room and ask a lot of people to pay attention to this song that I wrote. But that's what I wanted to do. So I had to forget about what makes sense in life and follow what I'm best at and do what my heart desires. Now in this business, breaking into the business often involves relationships and I understand that early on you had the opportunity to work for Tom Waits. Did that actually have some sort of bearing in you getting into the business? Was he kind of like a mentor for you? Everything about this business has to do with relationships. They're the most important thing above and beyond the music that you write. Everything that 
happens with a song has to do with a handshake, whether it's a handshake with a listener or a handshake with someone who funds the record or whatever it is. It's all about relationships. And one of my first mentorships was by some strange coincidence, yes, with Tom Waits. And it was a serendipitous and great grand gesture by the universe. So I was fortunate enough to gain some insight. One of the first things he told me was I presented to him my first batch of recordings, which was three songs, and I needed to flesh it out to six. And he said, so how long will it take you to do the other three? And I said, mm, six months? This is when I was quite young. And he said, uh, you're going to need to do it faster than that. A very practical bit of advice that timing is very important. There's a balance between preparedness, satisfaction, and that clock that's ticking. Now, what did it take for you to get your first deal with a record company? Being new. Record companies love someone who has never heard somebody before. I was offered deals straight away. I turned a lot of them down because I didn't want what they wanted. Then it just took I don't know, potential. When people see potential in you, things are really easy to, especially when your track record isn't tested, it's quite easy to secure those kinds of things. When there's all this talk and then the potential is on its way. That's about luck. That's about having the conversations with the right people, having support or being able to navigate your way from person to person with people who can put you in with the right connections. And that was just how it worked for me. It works for some other people differently. For me, it was the radio helped me my first song did well on radio, and that helped me get connected with the persons who first helped me make my first record. Do you remember the first time, Jessica, that you heard your song on the radio? I don't, but I do remember when I heard that it was on the radio. Actually, I'll tell you this, because I was saving up it was, I was saving up money to move to a city, and I knew I was trying to figure out where I was going to move because I was going to... I was searching for that challenge. I knew music was that challenge. I decided finally at last I was going to do this for a living. I put my first demos into the world. I was living in my van, and I still live in my van, don't get me wrong. This isn't like a comeuppance story. This is, I was living in my van to save money to move to Los Angeles, where my song Seed of Wonder was being played on KCRW. Nick Harcourt was the DJ at the time. It was doing really well, so I received a call while I was sleeping in my van by this person I'd never heard of because I was just a country kid, didn't know anything about industry or radio or who's who. Not that I know that great deal about it now or very interested, but I received this call while I was waking up in my van, and so I did my first interview not prepared, didn't know that I was going to receive the call from the then tastemaker in the KCRW's radio station. Jessica, was there a particular moment or incident when you felt, this is it, this is where I'm supposed to be, I'm doing what I want to do, I'm living the dream? Those moments come and those moments go, because life is a roller coaster, so... So when I made my first, when I went into a proper studio for the first time, I I knew I was in the right place and I knew I was doing the work that I was cut out for. And when I'm touring, especially if I'm touring in some realm of comfort, I definitely feel in the right place at the right time. There are times when challenges come and you're just like, can I just forget this altogether? I just don't want to do this right now. You know, or this is just, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. You have to have a strong stomach to take music on as 
not only a vocation, but a way to make a living. It's a growing process. And I, I would suggest anyone who doesn't have a strong stomach or the willingness to be vulnerable, also financially, to consider some other line of work. <laughs> now, how important are collaborations? Because I understand you're collaborating with Sam Beam right now. I am, Sam Beam of Iron and Wine. I think collaboration is a great way to grow. It's also nice to get you out of the whatever patterns you may have established yourself in, those perhaps ruts or it helps you see yourself in a new way. Not all of us are necessarily apt for collaboration. And I think all combinations won't necessarily work. But if you can find a succinct collaborator, you're in good business. You mentioned that if you don't have the stomach for financial vulnerability, this may not be the business for you. But realistically, can you earn a living in this business if you have the passion? You absolutely can. I don't know if everyone absolutely can, it's, it's going to go case by case. Maybe your music is just not edible. Maybe it's just not going to work. Maybe you have terrible luck. Maybe you have great luck. You're going to need some good luck. That's something in the base notes of this recipe. You have to have good luck and you have to have good relations. There's no guarantees. And if you succeed at one point, you may not at the next. So that's why you need to have a strong stomach. And because someone champions one record, that doesn't mean they're going to champion the next. You just need to focus on your work, keep your numbers working, work within your limitations. I think limitations can help you. You don't need as much money as you think sometimes, so you can. But you need to be resourceful, especially if you're going to do it independently. you got to have endless energy, and you got to be very resourceful. Well, you mentioned doing things independently. Do you actually need a record company these days, or can you do things independently? You don't need a record company. It depends on how you want to do things. Record companies are good for certain things. They're all different. The different record companies have their strengths and weaknesses. Because you're with a record company isn't going to promise you anything. And it's quite mysterious, actually. I don't know if anyone can tell you how something works unless they pay for it to work. I can't decode success. I can only talk about working within the limits because that's what I know. And making things work with what limitations you have, which is really important at the start. It's important throughout because that's how you grow. You recognize your limitations and you make what can happen with what you've got. And it's always going to boil down to that. Unless you become immune somehow, which I, I haven't reached those realms of immunity, you can talk to somebody else about grandeur. But for someone who wants to pull themselves up by the bootstraps, you have to make your limitations work for you, is what I mean. So if all you have is a guitar and a voice because you don't have a production team, then you should learn how to talk to your audience. If all you have is a guitar and a voice because you can't afford a production team, you should write a damn good song. And there you go. You just go from there. Well, you've certainly achieved a level of success given the international touring that you've done and the creation of music as opposed to simply interpreting or covering other people's music. You talked briefly about the potential pitfalls. Tell us about the responsibilities that come with becoming an artist at your level of success. What responsibilities do you have and to whom? I feel personally responsible to the people who support me in terms of patronage and managerial realm. Record labels, that's a symbiotic relationship. There's responsibility there. Those are the logistical kind of, you know, money's been invested and you need to make good on all of that. That's important to deliver 
those are just the agreements that you need to uphold. I think it's important to be organized. This is, sounds very boring, but it's important, I think. Not all creative people who put art into the world agree that they need to be timely in their communications. And like I said, this is boring, but it's important, I think, to be able to walk the line between your art and the business realm so that you don't frustrate the people who are supporting you. And they don't also want to be so mystified by your behavior. I don't think it's glamorous. I don't think it's good looking to be irresponsible or to be like MIA. I think it's okay to have email etiquette. I think that it's okay. It doesn't mean just because you show up on time somewhere doesn't mean that you can't write the best song that happened in 2016. I don't think you need to be a total jerk to be a creative genius. So I think that walking that line is important. As far as a personal responsibility at a level of success, I think you have to continue to write your best always. Just make a promise to yourself that you'll stick to what is true for you. I just think you should just make the best you can. Fantastic. Now, Fred, we're just about up on time. Is there anything else that needs to be said? I have one more question for Jessica. I had the opportunity today to see just one piece of her latest album, Love Letter for Fire, and I'm talking about the song Every Songbird Says, and the incredible use of animation, kind of cross-pollination, if you will, between the real and the uh, animated in that particular music video. And I wondered where that came from. It was so different than anything I've seen. Where did that come from? That incredible blend of animation with you and Sam in that particular music video. I'm forgetting Jose's last name. Jose and Sarah, who made the video. They live in Spain. I didn't have much to do with it. We chose them because we saw some work that we liked and just let them have free reign with it. And they sent back one draft and everyone was really happy. It's actually the first time I've ever seen a music video that I've participated in that I was happy about. Music videos can be a pain. They're always rushed. They're just a whole other thing. But this one really made me happy and I'm glad you like it. Oh, I did very much so. Very impressive. And thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We wish you all the best on all your ongoing adventures. I know you're a bit of a free spirit and wandering soul, but by goodness, you're sharing a lot of great things with the people that you meet and the paths that you cross. Well, don't hold it against me if you take anything I say for for real. <laughs> Have fun out there. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity. <laughs>